0: If Fog Could Sing Stories by Charlie Price Sad-Faced Anonymous by Charlie Price Read by Robert Price I have a sad face. My face has sadness within it so I was very glad when I saw a meeting advertised. The advertisement was glued to a lamppost. I didn't know we had lampposts any more, but there was no escaping the glare and height of this one. It beamed very beautifully, a beautiful orange from on high under the black night. And it was a helpful orange too, because I was able to read the advertisement for the meeting in its light. If you have a sad face, that's good news. We have an anonymous meeting for the sad-faced. Happy Boy Methodist Church, Nice Street, CUNT 69, every Thursday, midnight. Midnight seemed a little strange. But other than that, I felt pretty pleased about discovering the ad. I have a sad face. Is it necessary to shed light on what precisely that sad face betrays? What it portrays? Lots of people have sad faces. Thursday, midnight. I went to the pub first. I've been addicted to sadness since my teen years, but alcohol I can stand and chug and chew like Tic Tacs without developing one habit in the least unhealthy. There's nothing sad about alcohol. I look around pubs and I see chatter, some of it loud, some of it soft, some people alone looking a little wobbly, usually someone alone and opportunistic and irritating, and men for whom barstools are a six-hour's sojourn. Nothing sad there. I felt warm and safe in the pub. There was no fire, but there was a fireplace a large black square invitation indoors. And there were panelled walls and mahogany tables and comfortable stools and draught-pouring knobs and, on the shelves behind, bottles, 20% and vastly above. But I had to go to my meeting. I always return a pint glass to the bar before I leave. I returned it and the barmaid said thank you. It was coming up to midnight. It takes a long while for midnight to come. I knew where the Methodist church was. It sat, hay bale coloured, on a desolate street, moonlight lit. I crossed the threshold, and an old woman at a desk, who was knitting, stopped me from going any further. Wait! She cried out in aged and exasperated tones, flinging a scarf sideways. I stopped and looked at her with my sad face. My God! You do have a sad face! And she held my left shoulder in her right hand and leaned in to speak to me, far, far too close. I could smell everything she was doused in. The perfumes visited upon her gums and armpits whelmed me, like blowback. I was fixed against her lavender form. She did smell of lavender. I looked at her with sad panic. Evidently my eyes were infecting and she continued, You can't go in there without a name tag. A name tag? I thought this was anonymous. I thought the meeting was anonymous. It won't be your real name. It will be your meeting name. She crowed, rather rumbunctiously and held up a sticker with the word SAD written on it. Do I have to wear it? Of course you have to fucking wear it! And she slapped SAD onto my tit. Do you wear a name tag? I asked. I don't need to! She replied. I think you should, I answered. Do you? Do you have a marker pen and blank sticker? I asked. Yes. Could you give me both? And she did. Construing my interest in her entire enterprise, I received them graciously and wrote Old in marker pen on the blank sticker and slapped Old on her sagging lavender left tit. Why don't you go to a meeting for the old-faced? And I went into the church. Both doors diverged, revealing to me the bare chapel, a ring of chairs like a chain of hands, and them... Them was, within the candle-coloured walls, a cast of grim characters who starred in the play of their own lives and who were very sad. There was unhappy and miserable and melancholic and depressed and glum. Dopey, sleepy and grumpy evidently could not make this meeting of the sad-faced. Nor were they welcome, I supposed and I was sad, and we were all gathered here. They were all men, the people wearing these sad labels, and they were scattered about the chapel's solemn austerity. Some were stock still, and some ambled in repetitious and fevered circles, but all were in some way gripped by the adjective they wore. They all looked at me. All their heads were turned by my appearance, by my crossing of the threshold, made difficult by the lady who smelled of lavender, whom I called old. Advancing, they were wrapped by something luminous and terrible. They bowed on bended knees. My label said sad, but I thought of myself more as sombre, which perhaps suggested I was not beyond all hope that I thought of myself as being less sad than I evidently was, and yet something beautifully, superlatively sad, something sad, exalted above their sadnesses, was clearly with me, living in me, declared upon me, evidenced in me. Their sad faces were white and pale with light. I'm sorry. I said I was asking one of them and yet all of them I'm sorry um. I have a sad face and I came to meet other people with sad faces am I in the right place? they were struck quite dumb evidently then a bell rang a bell feeble in magnitude but crisp and cutting in its notes a very little girl with flaxen hair marched in through the doors by which I had entered, the same threshold crossed. She was apparelled, top to toe, in punitive grey, a grey tracksuit. She looked like a gym trainer, if gym trainers could be four years old. She had the label SMALL on her chest. Her label was printed, not handwritten in ink. It looked very smart. Behind her was a slightly larger but still very little boy in olive garments that brightened to a mustard when he passed under the largest of three ceiling lamps. Over the mustard clothes was sat a high-visibility jacket which gleamed. He looked like a bin man, if your bin man was six years old. The ringing still went on. I noticed that he was the one producing it, from a little finger-bell in his right hand, which he animated avidly, clasping it between index finger and thumb. He bore the label irritating. His label was also printed as opposed to written in marker, and printed smartly at that. I assumed his adjective must be in connection with the incessant bell-ringing, but that stopped when the little boy who looked like a bin-man and the little girl who looked like a gym-instructor Both arrived at the ruling pair of seats, centrally set within the chair circle, and sat in them, The female of the two beckoning all the sad-faced in attendance to follow suit and be seated with a curious, childlike motioning of her right fist. All the sad-faced men came running, with an obedience that, to me, seemed wholly canine, if dogs sat in seats and went to meetings for the sad-faced. The sad-faced men took their seats. I observed this strange spectacle without participating in it. Apparently, I was mesmerised to solidification. Then the girl noticed me. Hello, she called out. I didn't feel able to answer. Come and sit, please. There was one vacant seat in the circle. The girl's voice sounded a lot older than she looked. I remained motionless. Please, sit, she pleaded imperatively. I shook my head. The boy, called irritating, let up a large shout. Old woman, give him a push! I found myself standing on a wheeled luggage trolley without realising how I'd got there, and smelt a strain of sudden lavender as the old lady from the reception area began wheeling me towards the circle of the sad-faced and its two diminutive coordinators. She parked me just before my empty seat. "'Get off and sit down,' she said. I looked at the seat. "'No,' I answered her. I feared this assembly. I had grown quite hastily and unexpectedly— "'afraid of the empty chair which seemed to wait for me to occupy it. "'I was suspicious of all invitations, barked at me. "'Sit!' the girl called Small, in the grey tracksuit, said. "'Sit!' the boy called Irritating, in the high viz jacket, said. "'Sit!' the old lady called Old, who smelled of lavender, said. "'My shaking head pronounced a hard negative in reply.' SIT, the man called Miserable said. SIT, the man called Melancholic said. Melancholic was an American. SIT, depressed said, with a tone surprisingly chipper. Still, my head said no. Have a seat, Glum said seductively. SILENCE, stillness but for my shaking head. Please sit down. Unhappy finally petitioned, with desperation. No, I said again. My head stopped shaking, so I returned to use of words. No, I reuttered. No, 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 no. I never raised my voice, but I tore off my label. It came off my tit, not my naked left tit, but almost exactly where my left tit was located, under my clothes, coming off imperfectly, in two or three ripped strands. I cast the maimed slips of paper rectangle away from my person forcefully, the ruined pieces fluttered, with sadness to the floor, like a failed spell of sad snow. The sad-faced men gasped as one, stunned in concert by my infraction in its irreverence and audacity. The boy who looked like a bin man shook his head sadly. You could have been the champion. You could have been the poster boy, the flagship. You have the saddest face of all. You could have been the one to go into schools and warn children about the dangers of having a sad face. You could have been an example. But you're not. You're just a man with a sad face and he rang the finger-bell. The old lady wheeled me out into the moonlit street. I stayed there for hours. Nightly hours passed with sober slowness. I just stood on the luggage trolley in the dark, the moon and wind, me and my sad face hovering in the air. When cold and chill and bitterness smarted, as they did periodically— I had the idea that I might clamour for readmittance, beg to be let back into the meeting of the sad faced. But I did not, or I could not. And so I remained where I was. A few small hours later, I thought I heard a commotion within the building, as though the other sad faced men wanted to escape as I had done. But there was no commotion. I merely imagined it or it was just the noises of some happy people a few streets away.